and then like i said just being in politics you you quickly realize um your place in society especially being black in politics because i'm be quite honest with you um it's not often i see people that look like me people people look like us you are now listening to the fail to grow podcast where we talk about everything from failure setbacks disappointment and how we use that to become the best version of ourselves i am your host juan young let's get it going yeah man thanks for taking some time man i think this is a uh... You know, as I was kind of explaining, you know, via email, me and I, I was looking for some pretty dynamic people to to have conversations with. So I was going through my LinkedIn profiles and going through some of my Facebook friends, some of my people who I'm already connected with. And I, for me, I wanted to have a conversation kind of around perspective and mindset and right. uh, particularly, you know, about the ebbs and flows of life. Um, and you know, this idea of failure and what does that look like? You know, how do we, how do we shift perspective, people's perspective, especially in our community about, you know, the fear of failure, because, you know, I know a lot of people who, you know, they're afraid to take the first step because, you know, this idea has been kind of created that, you know, failure is the end all be all. And it's the, it's the, you fail once and that's it. Or the idea, you know, with social media, I've been, every person I've been talking to, it's been, I've been saying, you know, we live in a day and age right now where social media is really kind of changing the game because you don't really see a lot of people's, everybody's an expert, nobody's taking losses, nobody's, you know, having any mishaps, nobody is ever failing, everybody's winning and nobody's taking any L's. And so you get so if you try to do something, you try to get out, get yourself out there, you know, you get to a position where you may feel like it's only you. So I always like to kind of set that that uh, that kind of back, get that background for listeners and 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 all the guests because we're gonna kind of get into it. And I'm excited to to talk to you, man. I mean, I have your bio, and I've seen some of the things that you've been kind of involved in and, and been peeping the, the LinkedIn page and stuff like that. Um, but for those who may not know uh, who you are, man, can you give us a little little rundown, man, of, of who you are, some of the dope stuff that you've been involved in, some of the stuff that you're working on now? Sure thing, sure thing. So my name is Alex Walker Griffin. I'm currently the CEO and co-founder of Generation Z Consulting. Um, most of my life has pretty much been involved with politics. I got into politics at a really young age, um, around the age of 10, actually, because of my mom and my dad. Uh, my dad was a fire marshal of Oakland, so when I was a little kid, I'd be attending city council meetings with them. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom got me into my first actual like political role. It was uh, working for then soon to be Governor Brown on his 2010 campaign. And at the time, I was uh, 13 years old. I want to say it was. So um, that's how I got into politics and started working into it. And then from there, just kind of stayed with it and going back and forth between business and politics and skateboarding because um, I'm an avid skateboarder. Um, so in high school, me and my friends, we had a company called Urban Movement in which we made cookbooks um, and encyclopedia hybrids. So on one hand, it would be a cookbook talking about like different spices and things like that. And then you also have the etymology of where the spice came from, um, what cultures used it for, things of that nature. And really that's what opened my eyes to business along with being in politics. So when I was 17, um, my government teacher at the time, Mr. Moreno, he told me that I should pursue politics. And well, pursuing politics seems like a very far-fetched like idea. And I was like, well, I don't even know what the first step would be. And so uh, one day he he handed out an assignment. It was said we had to speak at a city council meeting in Hercules about an issue. 
that we really believed in. And so I said, okay, I guess this is my opportunity to sort of jump into it. Um, so I spoke to the city council about having a waterfront cleanup. And it's funny because they actually denied my proposal. But for some reason, I was just like, okay, this cannot just be it. This, I'm, I'm willing to do this for free. So I went around the city council, um, got about 10 different sponsors. Um, one of the biggest ones was the local refinery right down the road. Um, they were able to provide food, um, cleaning supplies, trash bags, gloves, you name it. And I was able to round up over 20 high school students um, to help volunteer for this event. And pretty much it started turning into a biannual event um, that I would just kind of do privately. Never really would post on social media or anything like that because it was literally just for the waterfront um, and the people there. And then so after I graduated high school, um, the legacy in which me and my friends had Urban Movement being that it won uh, Best Business, Junior Achievement Business in Northern California, Best Business Plan and Commercial. Um, I was able to use those connections to uh, forge new relationships. So I ended up working for Congressman Desanya as an intern in his Richmond office. Um, I was a staffer for the Richmond City Council for a while. Um, I worked in the private sector, a little bit of government relations, um, it pretty much a lot of activism. Um, I go to St. Mary's College of California now in Moraga, but prior to that, I was at Contra Costa, a community college over here in Richmond. Um, and I was a student body president for two years. And when I was 19, uh, Governor Brown appointed me to the California Community College Board of Governors, um, which is the governing board for all 114, well now 15 community colleges in the state. And then from there, I was able to help uh, found Calbright College, which is the world's first 100% online community college. So um, past couple of years has been crazy. Sometimes I forget I'm 22. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I think, I think these stories are, are dope and important to share um, because, you know, this idea that people who look like me and you are not out here civically engaged, you know, um, and we, we are only caring about us and our own household. But listen, or even the fact that, like, look, there's, you know, our parents are not, you know, investing in us. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've, I've been finding uh, a lot of the people I've had conversations with in their perspective of failure, and we're going to talk about kind of what your perspective is uh, on that notion. A lot of that has, has they were learning those lessons very early on. And so um, I kind of want to talk a little bit before we work back up to right now, but, you know, you, how did your upbringing shape or shift your, you know, create your perspective around um, the, the willingness to try things and failure, um, you know, right now, a lot of parents are trying to keep kids from experiencing failure, right? The participation trophies, it's the, yeah. you know, it's the, <laughs> Timmy, you did really, really well when Timmy really didn't, or, you know, um, yeah. you know maybe, a, maybe a parent who experienced some heartache. And so, you know, all men are this, or stay away from this, you know, certain things. So how did you, how did that kind of like early stages for you shape and, and create that kind of foundation of what failure looked like and all of that. Sure. So um, I used to play sports. Um, I started playing baseball and I think I was the last generation that didn't get participation trophies. And I think after like, once I left baseball around like the age of six, that's when participation trophies started becoming a thing. Um, but really for me, failure was just kind of always there. Um, you know, when I look back on it now, I can totally see how I was uh, soon to be a very bad product of the educational system we have here in America. Um, my interest early on was always history and politics. Um, being that I come from an area that predominantly focuses on math and English, um, I was not given the attention today 
as much as my classmates who really liked math and um, English and excelled in it. And I didn't excel in math and English. Um, well, English, I've always been okay at, but math was never my strong suit. So really, I never felt like I had a place in school. Um, so for years, I just kind of felt like I was drifting, especially in middle school in that transitional period where you're not a little kid and you're getting on that path to adulthood. Um, it, was, it was a very sad and really lonely time. Um, but fortunately, I did pick up skateboarding at the age of 12, and I've been doing it ever since. So for the past 10 years, I've been skateboarding. And what skateboarding teaches you is that, one, there's no participation trophies because it's really going to be you on that skateboard and no one else. Yeah, you'll have some friends that you'll skate with, but it's all you. And what skateboarding also teaches you is that failure is inevitable. There is not a single skateboarder out there that is going to try a new trick for the first time and have a 100% mindset that I'm going to land this trick without any hesitation, without any sort of problem. And so with skateboarding, you learn that failure is always going to be there. You know, it's, it's impossible to dodge, but it's how you go about it that really changes what's going to happen next. Um, so something as simple as a kickflip, for example, you can spend hours, literally days, months trying the same thing over and over, but then you just do a slight foot adjustment and move your foot just a centimeter over it. And next thing you know, the, the trick starts to working out. So really, um, like I said, skateboarding taught me to look at things differently. You know, if you fall, okay, that's, that's a part of the learning process. You know, remember what you did previously and adjust with it. You know, see if there's, see if there's a different approach that you can take at it. Um, so like I said, with the school system, um, how that translated into me is, well, I found my niche. You know, I don't think too many other kids in middle school can name you every capital in America or name you who the Senate Majority Leader was at the time. You know, but that was my thing. And so um, I say really when it comes to failure is just reevaluating what you did wrong and not beating yourself up for it. But look, it is a chance to grow. I mean, even with tests in schools, we get back a test that we got an A on it. We probably are never going to look at that paper again. But if you got an F on that paper, you're going to make sure you remember every answer that you got wrong. So that's kind of how I see it. Where you is this kind of like hindsight now looking back at kind of like skateboarding or did you and kind of the lessons you were learning or were you were you aware at that moment? Ah, This is what it's teaching me. You know, as you were falling, as you were, you know, getting scraped up, or was it at that time just a fun thing and you wanted to, to do it? A little bit of both because uh, skateboarding draws um, the nomads of like mm. society, you know, because it's, <laughs> it's probably one of the few activities where you can have a 15 year old, a 30 year old, and like all in the same environment and no one's tripping off of it. And especially just like the different subcultures that are in skateboarding and that draw within it. I mean, look at fashion, for example. How many people wear bands casually, skateboarding attire? Yeah. But um, I learned it kind of simultaneously, you know, because skateboarding is very frustrating. You can, you can literally try the same trick. I remember I'd record myself on my phone and delete 300 attempts, all just, just trying the same thing over and over. But you just turn on the switch in your head that says, I'm going to get there, and I just need to figure out what I'm doing wrong. And it's just that little adjustment in your foot that changes it all. So I'd say it was kind of over like the course of some years that I started realizing it just because if, if you don't keep pushing forward, then you're going to, you're, that's how you end up with a permanent failure. You know, I don't really see failure as a permanent thing. It's more so you'll take a small loss, but a bigger gain once you realize what you're doing, uh, what you're doing wrong. Uh, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned baseball because I played baseball all the way up to college and I played travel and scout ball and, all of that. And then one thing that I've, and I coached, one thing that I would tell people like baseball is a game of failure. You know, you, 
if you if you if you hit the ball, you get on base, you know, three out of ten times, like you're probably going to like Hall of Fame, you know, three and a half, four <laughs> out of ten. But that means that you you got out six out of ten times. And so, you know, it's it was a game that you get a hundred ground balls, you know, you're gonna the likelihood you're gonna miss some, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just this it, you had to learn to have a very short memory and um that's one of the things that as I started coaching I started trying to instill in the players it wasn't even really about you know hey you're going to strike out but what happens after you strike out right and I think it started to become you know similar to skateboarding similar to a lot of other things it started to be a representation of what life is like um so as you kind of look back you know in your uh your long 22 years <laughs> um, is there was there ever a moment or or a, a period where you had a, a significant failure or a significant setback or a significant you know kind of disruption that you had to pause and that really changed and and gave you a lesson uh kind of one that sticks with you now um or you know kind of shifted or changed perspective in that moment yeah so it was actually the last time i ever got an f on a progress report it was uh, my sophomore year of high school. It was the pro- very first progress report of the semester of the year, actually. And I had three Fs on it, mainly because I was I was taking skateboarding seriously. And it was my like goal to become a professional at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing my parents face and seeing how disappointed they look. And I remember how much it just hurt and talking to my counselor and telling me that if I were to get one more F, I would end up a continuation school. Now, being that I was in politics already for a good amount of time, um, all the stuff of like the criminal justice system, how I'm basically on track to becoming that statistic that goes in, that gets incarcerated. um, That was kind of an eye opening experience. So when um, I had that moment, it kind of like kicked in, kicked me in the face, so to speak, um, where I was like, you know what, I I need to do something different because right now I am falling down the track of, of a stereotypical black male in America. You know, and right now somebody is happy that this is happening. And so I wanted to take that moment and I did take the moment um, to reinvent myself. And looking back on it 15, seven years ago, um, I never would have ever imagined what have happened just shortly after I graduated high school. Yeah, that, that yeah, that's. Um, yeah, that, in that moment, it, it's interesting, you know, we, we have those moments, um, those things happen. Can, can you talk about the shifting um, one thing that i've that i've experienced just kind of like uh with certain certain things you know low points is you have a shift of perspective you have a shift of priorities you have a yep. shift of you know reevaluate it can you talk a little bit about like mindset of using these very negative experiences and turning it around to then focusing on kind of using what you don't like as opposed uh, to, to motivate you to get what you do like, you know, can you talk a little bit about that, the shifting of the mindset of perspective or even relationships that might have to change and sure. people that you might not have to be able to hang around, like, <laughs> how, you know, what can you talk a little bit about that? Definitely. So um, when it came to the shifting in the mindset, really um, it was a couple of things. I realized that I was getting a little bit older and the time was sort of winding down on my high school career and that true reality was going to be, in my face within the next few years. And so if I continue down this path, well, um, things weren't gonna work out. And also when it came to priorities, I realized that yes, if I do become a professional skateboarder, I'm not going to be the next Tony Hawk. I'm not going to be the person who knows absolutely nothing about skateboarding 
but knows who I am. Um, so once I kind of had that realization, that's when I started to like begin to turn the tides. And at the same time, um, I became more heavily interested in politics and I wanted to pursue it. Um, and I knew that I would not be able to balance out skateboarding and doing that, like moving to Santa Monica to pursue skateboarding and to somehow try to become a member of Congress. Um, and so it really just changed in, in sort of the mindset and realization of what I needed to do in order to get there. Um, my friends sort of started to shift too. Um, I still talk to a lot of my skater friends. I still hang out with them, but mostly it's on a skateboarding basis. Um, but the type of people that I surrounded myself with were all motivated and passionate people about whatever that they wanted to do. And to this very day, those are still some of my closest friends. Um, and when it came down to priorities, just like I mentioned, you know, realizing that, hey, certain things in life are, you just kind of have to do it. You know, you just have to write it out um, and stick with it because it's going to have better repercussions in the future than negative repercussions because I didn't want to choose to do something. Mm. Um, and then, like I said, just being in politics, you, you quickly realize um, your place in society, especially being black in politics, because I'm be quite honest with you. Um, it's not often I see people that look like me, people, people look like us in a certain spaces. And I didn't want to give someone a reason to be like, well, he's a stereotype. And I didn't want someone to be like, I could have, I kind of expected that. I wanted someone to be surprised by me um, and hear my story so I can change the narrative of other people. Yeah. It, it, you, you tend, I know that a lot of times there is a, they talk about, you know, being black and being successful. You, you tend to carry multiple burdens of, you know, having to represent, you know, having to represent your whole culture when you walk into spaces and yep. feel the burden of, you know, having to, you know, and then in addition to then, you know, it's the, it's the, the, the black wealth tax, you know, and then you also, you know, there's so many different layers of it, of having to deal with it in your own community. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot. Of, I think one of the, the most challenging things I think um, for a lot of people is, you know, I think that you, you know, you have a, a unique perspective, given the fact of like, you've had your, your upbringing really has helped to create um, kind of solid foundation. If, oh, yeah. You know, and, and make it make makes makes it a little more comfortable for you to kind of be who you are it seems like you were very you know, kind of understood who you were at a really early age which is great what would you say to to someone who's dealing with you know who's currently in that who's feeling like a failure right because maybe they didn't go maybe they got that f on that test and maybe you know they're seeing the parents disappointment can you give some advice or walk us through a process you know, because I want to give people some tangible things that they can do to, to be able to say, all right, I've had this experience. I'm in this. I'm feeling this negative experience. How do I then use that, whether it's writing it down, whether it's seeing what goes wrong? Do you have a, some steps or some advice that you can give that people can walk through to take that and turn it around? So the first thing that I would say is understand what you're feeling. You know, if you're feeling a failure, like you, you have like you're kind of trapped in the bubble of failure. Um, ask yourself, why do you feel this way? Um, ask yourself what brought you to this point and sort of evaluate the pros and the cons of everything. Cause I do think there's pros and cons in every situation. Um, secondly, be vocal about it. You know, if you have a friend or maybe a family member that you could trust, um, talk to them about it. And then from there, understand what happened in your past that led you to the present, you know, 
And from that point on, look forward, like just keep moving forward. It's kind of like driving in a car. You know, when you're driving, you just don't look straight the entire time. You're looking in your rear view mirrors, you're looking in your side view mirrors, because that entire journey that you're moving forward, you have to look in every direction so that way you can keep moving forward, right? Um, so understand what happened in your past, but don't let that define you. You know, we, we all make mistakes and we all do stuff that sometimes is unavoidable, sometimes it, it is avoidable. Um, but understand that it's not permanent unless you choose to make it permanent. So if you fail the test, review the answers that you got wrong, but then also put an emphasis on the questions that you got right. So that way you can have a holistic approach to it. Um, if it's something where you feel like you're kind of stagnant in life, well, see what you're doing right there, right now. You know, see if your friends are reflecting in you. Is, is it your family environment? What can you do to make yourself feel a little more elevated? You know, because so, I like to look at life as sort of one big picture and every aspect plays a role into it. You know, when it comes to skateboarding, skateboarding has given me a bunch of life lessons. When it's come to politics, it's taught me how to interpret those life lessons and perspectives many people won't have. Um, and then also, too, the biggest thing is just try to find what you're good at. And don't get distracted by teachers or parents or family members. Because family members and teachers can sometimes give the worst advice. So if you believe... Like, I'm just, I had a conversation with my dad last night, man, about uh, advice and... And the conversation, sorry, I cut you off, but the conversation was very much like he had a negative experience and he was telling me to not do something um, based on his negative experience. Right. And like I was trying to explain to him, that was your experience. And there right. are certain things that are very general that we all, you know, yeah, don't put your hand on the stove. But if it's, hey, don't leave your job to be an entrepreneur because I left my job to be an entrepreneur and it didn't work out. I'm like, yeah, but we two different people, but I appreciate it though. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yes. Um, like, you know, if, if you're passionate about something, you know, you want to be a writer, go ahead and pursue it because the worst thing you can do in my opinion is go down a path in which you know, you're going to be miserable because you're going to have a higher sense of failure. It may not be like, like, in front of you failure you know like you'll have maybe a bunch of certificates because you'll be from a medical board all this other good stuff but internally you don't feel good about it so make sure that you wake up and what you're doing you're passionate about and that you can feel good you can get a sense of comfort out of it but then at the same time make sure that you're living within the means that you could provide for yourself and provide for others if you have to i'm really interested uh, generation z consulting yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about that, man. Cause I, I think we can connect the dots with these two. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, Gen Z, when I saw that, I was, I was extremely intrigued. Um, and I think, you know, that's the idea of putting Gen Z in the, in the title, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, what do you do with Gen Z consulting and, and kind of what the, the, why, why did you create that particular, um, this business and that particular business model? So, Sure. So um, I just missed the cutoff for being a millennial by like seven months. So I grew up as a millennial, but by definition, I'm a part of Generation Z. I was born in 1997, September to be specific. And so um, Generation Z, why I chose that name is obviously because of the generation I'm a part of, but because with millennials and Generation Z, our values are very much in sync. We have a very different opinion um, on life than baby boomers or Generation X. We're way more diverse in terms of just about every aspect from marriages, 
relationships, both professional and uh, platonic, such as your friendships, um, and how we see the world and how we go about things. You know, we have higher rates of people who are getting married later on, you know, higher rates of people who are in same-sex relationships, people who don't necessarily conform to the two-gender model. So when I got involved with student government, really that was the first time that I was ever in a position where I had to address these issues. And a lot of them, I personally never had to face because I'm a straight, cisgender black man. And so I couldn't necessarily tell you what it's like to be a gay black man in America. I can tell you what it's like to be a straight black man in America. And being that I was always advocating for different groups, um, I was like, you know what? I want to do something about this on a bigger role. And really, when I became a student body president, that's when like the sort of the gear started turning and um, what I wanted to do with this. Because now I was sitting in front of people with PhDs telling them, well, on behalf of my gay constituents, this is what they told me. You know, on behalf of my transgender student, uh, transgender constituents, this is what they told me, uh, my undocumented constituents. Um, so I was starting to get fed all these different perspectives on things, and it really just opened up my eyes to it. Um, and then when I got on the Board of Governors, it was doing basically the exact same thing, but now on a larger scale. You know, now I'm telling a, a senator this. Now I'm telling an assembly member this. You know, this exact same information about the values of Generation Z and millennials in which we commonly share. And so I said, okay. I'd hear the same rhetoric all the time um, from different people. Well, it's like, well, there's two genders. Well, you know, gender is a social construct for one. You know, there's two sexes, but there's totally, there's totally way more genders than there are sexes. And um, having to explain that to people was one, different, uh, difficult, but then at the same time, people were willing to have a conversation about something that they didn't know, especially if they're a politician or they have a business where their clientele is going to be people my age. They don't want to offend somebody. And just in general, people don't want to offend somebody. They want to be accommodating. So that's really where the idea of Generation Z came from, one wild day to Buffalo Wild Wings um, after we had sushi, after me and my friends had sushi. I was talking about this with my friend Manver, who's now a part of Generation Z too. He's one of the co-founders. Um, he has a pretty similar background as mine in student government. And we were talking about like, well, how can we help people understand um, different things? You know, how can we explain to someone you know, what non-binary is? How can we explain and, and work with someone on how to create a workspace that's both friendly and accommodating for people who are non-religious, you know, or someone who's Muslim? How can, how can we work on these different uh, factions of life? Because now, especially in America, especially in California, everything's intersectional. Yeah. You know, if you don't know somebody who's Muslim, you're gonna meet somebody who's Muslim eventually. And so basically, how can we just make this, uh, this space a little bit more comfortable for everybody? Yeah. I, uh, I was the diversity inclusion chair for a previous job and amazing. I love that. You know, we, which I mean, even in my LinkedIn bio, you know, it has my name and it has he, him, his, uh, for my gender pronouns. Um, you know, and, and that was one of the things that we did. We wrote that out, you know, company wide and, um, but it's interesting having a conversation, right? So even things with, uh, you know, now I'm in marketing, and, uh, you know, working for in a financial industry and, you know, there are certain things that, you know, I, I have to explain sometimes for certain things, you know, um, as a company, you know, we, the previous company, you know, I had to tell them, I said, look, we can't, we're not having a Christmas party, right? Like we can have, right. you can have a holiday party or you want to have an end of the year party maybe cool. I said, but you do have people here who don't celebrate Christmas, right? And so do you want to make, you know, if it's 98 people and then there's two people who don't, I would hate to be those two people who don't and have to feel like, right? Because I know being a person of color going into certain spaces, you know, there's been, there's been things where um, you don't feel the most 
comfortable. Um, you feel, you know, you feel uh, uh, kind of alienated, right? And so I think that, you know, in bringing it full circle and kind of connecting the dots, I think some of the stuff that you're talking about, not only is it, you know, about creating spaces where, where people feel included um, and they feel valued, but there are going to be people who, who aren't, who don't feel that, right? And mm -hmm. I think some of the things that you, you spoke about, I think can push people to use those negative experiences to really pushing them into a, a beautiful, um, just a beautiful situation, right? And I say that to say the idea of feeling like the failure, idea of feeling like the outcast, sometimes those experiences with the right perspective can birth something really amazing, right? Oh, totally. um, like the Gen Z consulting can birth something really amazing, like someone saying, this is not right right this is this is this is it shouldn't be done this way let me go find maybe it's i'm starting a new business maybe you know i'm not invested in this particular place because they don't value me I've, we've heard a lot of stories about people not being valued at work and then they go and go do their own thing so i do think that you know it, it comes full circle because uh, a mindset and perspective can be used to shift or you just accept it and you stay there and you're miserable and you hate it or um, you're able to take that negative experience and turn it into something positive, right? Oh, I 100% agree with that, you know, especially like, and I always tie it back to being a black male in America, but I'm telling you, being a black man in America is just the most interesting reality anyone could ever live because you're loved and you're hated every single day. Yeah. Um, if if you're six foot two, everybody can, you don't even have to tell anyone that you play in the NBA and somebody will believe it, you know? Um, but if one black guy robs somebody five miles away, now every black guy's getting in the, in the neighborhood's getting stopped by the police, you know? Um, but it's, it's all, like you said, it's, it's all the experiences that you take. Um, when I, a lot of times, especially when I was on the board of governors, I'd walk into spaces and I'd be the only person of color. So take away the Latinx community, take away Asians, um, just the only person of color. So now I'm the spokesperson for millions of black people all around the world, mm -hmm. you know? Um, one little slip up and that could literally cause a ripple effect in a relations with someone else and uh, down the road. Um, so like I said, it's, it's just about getting people to understand, especially people who are a little bit more reluctant. It's like, you tell them this, it's like, look, your, your clientele is going to be thinning out, but you're going to have this new wave. And our generations are really quick to go on Twitter and blacklist somebody. We're really, we'll do it in a couple of seconds. You'll be canceled really quick. <laughs> we'll cancel you out. Quick. So you yeah. want to the list? <laughs> Put out the wrong T-shirt with with uh, with a monkey on it if you want to. Right, a little black girl in Forever Twenty One ad or whatever ad. And yeah, you may not may not work. It's not gonna slide. Um, yeah. Uh, so tell me, what do you? I mean, what do you think is the difference between um, the idea of failing versus being a failure? Failing is is when you just mess up with something you know it's it's something that more than likely is not going to be permanent you know you failed a test okay great we all fail tests we all fail our midterm here and there um but you keep rolling a failure is when you completely give up trying and you don't want to make any sort of attempt to try to come back to it you know so an example would be maybe you played a game of football and your team lost you know you lost the game you failed that game a failure is a person who leaves the team entirely because they're just so dis uh, discouraged by that loss. Mm. And so it's really a matter of if you choose to come back to that and try again. 
And sometimes you kind of have to realize if it's best for you to come back to something because it just may just not work out. But even then, I wouldn't even consider that a failure. It's just kind of just looking at your options and seeing that some things aren't just going to work out. Um, sort of like me in professional skateboarding, you know. Um, sure, I would have made, I could have potentially made it as a professional skateboarder, but I wouldn't have been making a million dollars. Would that have meant I was a failure? Not necessarily. You know, I still skate, just not as much. Um, but like I said, failure is when you just don't even try to make an attempt to come back or even improve on what you did wrong. I'm a, I'm gonna throw a curveball in there because. Yeah, you know, Gen Z consulting man, you it's nothing. So we talk a lot about failure and growth, and you know that's the title. Obviously, is fail to grow, and 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 kind of the premise is, look, I mean, if you're trying to do something, something great, there's going to be times where you will fail. There's going to be tough times. There's going to be some 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 challenges, some hills to climb, right? In order to get to that, and you use and use those experience to learn from. So that way you can grow. But if you get those experiences, you don't learn from them, then you will fa actually fail to grow. You won't grow, right? You won't get the lesson. You'll continue to go in the cycle. And so um, we talk a lot about failure. I I'm curious, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is it can be, say you met a quota of what you're trying to sell, but really is, are you happy with what you've done? Mm -hmm. You know, the product may not be completely finished, but what you worked on, are you happy with it? I, I consider that to be success. And success doesn't necessarily mean that, that it's permanent and nothing, it's nothing going to change. But it can be small little victories along the way to an ultimate goal. So one successful mission could be just getting your business license, you know, mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to navigate that, how to get your LLC from the state, you know, um, putting, putting plans into action and starting to pursue it, you know, getting that first client. Um, getting that first person to hit you back, just small little victories here and there. Um, and eventually, you know, success could turn into, say, your Facebook. And like I said, you don't even have to use the Internet to know who they are. You know, but I like I like to view success as victories that are along the way to your journey. That's dope, man. Some good stuff, man. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This cool. I mean, I only have a couple more questions because I'm not going to keep you too long because I know you probably had to go do something and call up. Uh, you know, a few senators and probably get on the phone with Dr. Fauci and, and figure out what's going on. Monday. Yeah. Um, but in this, in this, the, the, this COVID-19 environment, um, you know, there are a lot of people whose lives have been just turned completely upside down. Um, you know, some people who were business owners, Businesses who are closed now will, you know, there's going to be some businesses that will not be able to reopen because they just won't be able to be in a financial position, right? There's some people who've been furloughed, they may yep. lose homes, things like that. What would you, what would, you know, what would your advice be from, from your perspective of, you know, life giving, these are lemons, right? Life are giving out lemons now and turning that into lemonade. I know we've kind of talked a lot about it, but anything specifically that you would say if you had, you know, a client sitting across from you um, who was saying, I don't see how there's any good in this. Um, you know, what would kind of be that that talk you would give to that person? What I would say to them is um, there's there's sometimes just things are just inevitable, you know, like this COVID-19. Um, it's really unfortunate to see how many businesses have uh, tanked and how many will not be able to recover once this thing blows over, whenever that will be. Um, but 
in the time that we have between now and whenever the recovery begins, I think this would be a great opportunity for someone who has the opportunity to reevaluate what their business was looking like. Maybe they can start off something new. You know, maybe this is an opportunity to start collaborating with other small businesses in your area or use something like LinkedIn, like as a network to try to build up something new or reevaluate and come at a different angle from what you were doing in the past. And at the same time, um, you know, during these times, it's a good opportunity to reflect on what you were doing in the past and maybe try something new because uh, just because something didn't work out, that doesn't mean that that's the end of the journey. You know, sometimes that, that stumble, that mishap, that failure, um, that temporary loss is a part of the journey, you know, and you may not realize it at first because your head's kind of in a fog considering all the time that you've invested into something. Um, but I would say look into your options, you know, and if there is no options, start looking to see if you can invent some options. You know, the beauty of right now is even though we do have this crazy pandemic going on um, that I'm pretty sure the federal government could have definitely prepared for a lot better. Um, we still have social media and we have ways to connect. We have communities of people who are still wanting to work with each other and wanting to help contribute. And I think now that we're more connected than ever with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, this is an opportunity for people to reach across the country, reach across town, next door, whatever the case may be, and ask for help, you know, ask for ideas and just ask to collaborate. Because like I said, we're all in this together. And the beauty of right now, unless you have some crazy far-fetched idea, like you're trying to be like the next Hitler, somebody's going to be okay with your idea and somebody's going to want to help you out. And I see that a lot with the spirit of the people that I work with and that I've worked with in the past um, in the various positions that I've had. So I'd say stay optimistic and uh, just look to see what you can do, you know, and just see if, if something is worth pushing for again, or is it time to take a new approach or is it time to start off something new? It's all a part of the journey. Dope, man. I have I, I, one more, one more curveball I'm throwing at you, man. All right. Because there is, um, there is this, the, the notion of, you know, one of the meetings previously um, that I had with the CEO um, that I, where I work, um, and we were talking about just marketing and we were talking about being very, being cautious of being overly optimistic because you don't want to come off as the not in tune with the things that our members are going through or the things that people are going through. Can you talk about perspective and balancing, you know, there's generally two, two, you know, there's the person who's like very optimistic and having a very optimistic point of view. And then you have the person who says, well, I'm the realist, right? (laughs) I I deal with the real, you know, it's great to have this idea of everything's great and honky dory and floating in the air and, and world peace and no homelessness, but I deal in the realities of the world. How do you balance the two? Because it seems like sometimes they are at war um, or, or, you know, different trains of thought. How do, you, how do you balance the two of being optimistic and seeing the, gla- the, ha- the glass half full, but also realizing that the glass is also half empty as well? Oh, yeah. Um, so when we started Generation Z, Carol, Manvir, myself, um, the idea, it, it to me, obviously, was going to be perfect. You know, I wouldn't have jumped down this track if I didn't think it was good. The only problem that we faced was how the heck are we going to get people to buy into our idea? You know, how do you explain this to someone? And I can't even tell you the amount of times that I've reached out to people and they, they would call me up or just wouldn't even respond to me at all. Just sounded confused. 
well, how, how am I supposed to bring this into my life and how am I supposed to incorporate this into my business? Um, so you do have to be realistic, you know, realistic on one, where you live, you know, what you're trying to do and who is your clientele going to be. But at the same time, you have to remain optimistic because that way you're going to have a motivation and a drive to keep moving forward. Because if you just have the realist perspective, you'll probably slow yourself down. You know, you probably won't find that motivation to grow because you're going to remain cautious. But if you have that optimistic side too, you're going to be, I don't want to say reckless, but you're going to be a little bit more easygoing when it's, when it's um, time to make those different approaches and uh, start venturing out, if you will. Um, so yeah, just like I said, you know, just take that risk, but then at the same time, understand that uh, there are some risks associated with it. You know, if you don't need to take out a $10,000 loan, don't take out the $10,000 loan. You know? Yeah. Um, that's dope, man. Sorry, I'm trying to fix this so I can. No worries. Um, so I can get you on there. Yeah. Cool. Can you tell, so can you tell the people um, how they can reach you if they want to connect, um, if they want a little bit more information? Do you do, um, are you focused primarily on like, you know, Fortune 500 companies, small business consulting? Um, do you work? kind of in the private sector only? Do you work with nonprofits, things like that? And then, you know, how they can reach out to you, what your LinkedIn is or whatever, because I'm sure people are going to want to engage with you after this conversation. Um, yeah, because it's been some good stuff. Oh, thank you. So how you can reach out to me. Um, and to start off, we will work with anybody. You know, we want this conversation to be much bigger than one confined area. We understand that every industry has a role in the day-to-day -day lives. The private sector is gonna affect the public sector. The public sector is gonna affect the non-government the non organizations. Um, but the ultimate goal is to make sure people understand inclusivity, diversity, and equity. Um, so I can get in touch with me, um, Alexander Walker Griffin on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, both pictures are me, so it's pretty easy to spot <laughs> that. And they have Generation Z in the headlines. And then Alex Griffin on Facebook. Um, I'm from Hercules, California, so that's what you just have to look up on Facebook, um, the Bay Area on LinkedIn. That's um, my name. Yep. Yee -yee. You already know. <laughs> I'm the 510, so you know I got to represent it. Right. Cool, man. Well, this has been, I, I, like I said, I mean, a lot of value here. Um, you know, I think we definitely will will continue to, to stay connected. And, you know, I have some ideas for some things um, as well and, and, and ways that we could uh, connect with Gen Z. I'm working on a few projects um, outside of just the podcast and doing some things that really, uh, I really think that will shift kind of culture and perspective. And I think what you bring to the table and kind of your, your focus on inclusion diversity, you know, equity, um, you know, I think that, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had and, and to have an African-American male um, who's kind of, you know, delivering some of that, I think is, I think is really key because I've, you know, Usually, you know, DEI conversations, a lot of times, you know, I, I've been in places where there are people who are, who are uh, over the di diversity, equity, inclusion conversations, and they are not even a person of color. And so, <laughs> yep. uh, you know, it's, it's uh, and not saying that you, you have to be, but it, I mean, it helps if we're talking about, you know, you know, things that the African-American community goes through, it might be nice to talk about that with having someone who's from the community. Um, if we're gonna talk about transgender issues, it would be nice to have someone who, um, you know, works hand in hand with the transgender community and is, is an ally, but is not, 
you know, whose voice is not, you know, higher than the community, right? It's not, oh, I, I'm the representative. It's like, no, I, I'm an ally. And although, you know, I'm using my privilege to be able to disseminate this information and for some change. So I think with some great things in the future, man, I, I definitely want to continue to connect with you. And uh, once this podcast goes up, man, you'll get a copy and, you know, we'll send you the link and everything. And um, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm excited for, for what's to come. My brain is already spinning right now. So <laughs> oh, same here. I'm, I'm excited for things to come. Um, thank you once again for having me. I had a great time. Um, and, you know, let's let's look for ways that we can help some people out and change some lives. For sure, man. You be safe, man. Wash your hands. Man. Stay, you know, <laughs> and do as much as you can. Stay indoors if you can. And, you know, don't don't stockpile all the TP. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know same to you. And, you know, and, and make sure you get those uh, little masks and you can get them. Oh, yeah. I got a couple. I got a couple, man. All right, man. It was good talking to you, man. You stay safe. Thank you. Take care. All right, man. Peace. Phil, Q, Grow, Tigers.